Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, June the 3rd in 2021 on When I Rise. We're currently in year B of the Revised Common Lectionary. This is what we call Proper Week 5, which is the second Sunday after Pentecost. Listen, I knew that you knew that. I just wanted to state the obvious, just so that we're clear. Uh, so on Thursdays, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage for the week. And so we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 then all the way to chapter 5, verse 1. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When Our Eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise, meet God together in a time of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through 5, verse 1. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is the word of God for us. So I'm a huge sports fan, but I need to confess that there's a sport that I just really haven't ever gotten into that so many people enjoy, and it's NASCAR and racing. Um, I didn't really grow up around car maintenance and things like that, and so I never really got into the sport of NASCAR. I have heard that a live, in-person viewing of NASCAR will convert anyone to be a NASCAR fan, and so maybe that's for me down the road. But I have found that just in the just the minimal exposure that I've had to the sport, I find it so interesting what pit crews do and the decisions that they make towards the end of a race, right? So you know if you're ahead, if you're behind, and how much that is, and you know your car very well, and you know the field that's in front of you, and when it gets down to the end, you want to make that pit stop, and you have to make some decisions on what to do with the tires, and what to do with the gas, and do you skip this entry into the pit? crew area to get another lap in before you take your break and so on and so forth. I mean, all the algebra that goes into trying to finish as fast as possible with all those factor in mind, is just fascinating to me. And how you have to make those choices so quickly. And it's all a wager. Lap after lap, it's a wager. And you hope that your wager ultimately bounces your way in order for you to win the race or to place better than the other teams that you're racing against. I think that's going on here in the Apostle Paul's ministry. Paul's got a couple things going that he's trying to make wagers upon. The first thing that he wants to do is that he wants to make a diverse church. He wants Jews and Gentiles to share the same faith story and to share the common life of Christianity together. It's never been done before. And so he's trying to find ways to make that happen in all these enclaves and all these ports and places in the Roman Empire. Also, because he's a sectarian Jew, he has some particular beliefs about God, about the world, and about what behaviors we should engage in, and so on and so forth, and about the big questions about what happens after we die and all that. 
And so he's trying to still work out what does it mean that Jesus is raised from the dead and not everyone else is. Remember, this is one of the governing questions of the early church. How do we, with our Jewish background, these are you know church leaders, how do we with our Jewish background reckon a one creator God with his one people fixing his one world? And their original rendering was that God would raise all the dead all at once, all at the end of the age. But now that Jesus has been raised from the dead in the middle of the age, it seems to throw everything into upheaval about what that means for all the the previous answers to all those questions. And so Paul, here he is. He's writing to a church that he struggles with. Uh, the Corinthian church was one of his major issues and one of his major challenges as a first century apostle. And so perhaps he's fielding questions. Um, how, how much longer are we going to be here before Jesus returns? And as year after year continued to pass and Jesus didn't return, I'm sure people were asking that question even more. And people were beginning to examine, well, do I continue to live by these patterns and habits because his return isn't as soon as we thought? And so they're trying to figure out, how does it, what does this mean to raise a family? And uh, should I engage in this dangerous work of being a messenger of Jesus when it, it seems like maybe uh, the fulfillment of all things is going to be way down the road, maybe even past my lifetime? Should I you know, kick the can down the road for somebody else to take on these heavy burdens of ministry and I could ease back into uh, just a normal common life that all my neighbors are engaged in, right? Like This is all that's swirling around the first century. And let's be honest. It's swirling around in the 21st century as well. And so Paul says this, that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with him. Okay? And this is to our benefit. So he says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So what does this mean? This is not Paul saying spiritual things are better than earthly things. He's not saying um, that the life beyond the grave uh, is the only thing that matters, and this life doesn't matter, as maybe some Christian preachers have concluded over time. He's saying it all matters, and we live this life today in this earthly existence with the future existence in mind. We don't excuse what happens today. It actually empowers what we do today. Everything belongs. And so anything that we do today, we don't lose heart because we know that even if it's slipping through our fingers, even if we feel like we're doing less and less, even if the challenges are significant and we can't move the gospel forward, it's not wasted. And he says in another place, it's not in vain. So he says this in verse 18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now he's not saying that it's what is seen is insignificant. He's just saying it's just... It's just a dressing room for what's going to happen in the age to come. And so he says that even if our earthly existence is destroyed, we have an eternal building that God's going to put in its place. So the Christian life is not trying to segment like in a duplex, like my lived experience on one side and then I die and then I go to the next duplex, the other side of the duplex, and that's where I live for ages upon ages. No, true, good Christian theology says that it all is swirled together, temporary and eternal, this life, the next life, it's all swirling together. So what you and I decide to do today and to value today seems to be a reflection on our conception of what's going to happen in the age to come. And so this is a challenge for us because there is a temptation for us to throw in the towel and say, I'm done with it. Like, I'm just going to relax until this thing is over. But the Apostle Paul is saying, no, we continue. We continue to move forward because our suffering even gives shape uh, to the bliss that we're going to experience on the other side. And so what does that mean for us? 
Well, in the day ahead, uh, d- depending on when you listen to this podcast, there's going to be a lot of voices, pessimistic voices, optimistic voices. People who are going to degrade culture. They're going to degrade our lived experience around us, and they're going to long for a life in the far beyond. And we should resist that. And we need to embrace a more gutsy way to live life, which is no, what matters, what happens today matters to God. And it matters because he's preparing something in advance for us to do today, but he's also preparing in advance a, a kingdom that we would live within him for ages upon ages. And so make the most of today in every conversation and every action and duty. Make it count and make it count as worship towards God, the God who's holding us and everything together and the God who's bringing his new age to come among us, even as we live in the midst of this current life today. So that living that way takes guts. And so we need to be praying for that. So let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gift of the resurrection of Jesus. It has opened up a door for all of what you desire for this world and for this life to flood in to what is a broken and a corrupt age that we live today. But God, we don't uh, lose heart as we engage within the world today. We think that we can be shaped by profound hope because if Jesus is raised from the dead, then all things are coming back to life. And so God, we resist the notion and we ask for your grace to help us. The the notion that uh, we're just kind of waiting out the clock until we get to the far beyond. Um, We we understand that uh, because you raised Jesus back into a body, back into this world that crucified him, that you love this world, that you love our neighbors, that you love the complex issues that are happening right now in our culture, that's not something for us to be exempt from, but for something for us to participate within. And so we pray for every conversation. We pray for every life that you give us. That we would see it all as a gift today. And I pray that as we start with that posture, that you would also give us wisdom in, in, in order to, to shed light upon the resurrection of Jesus and the promises of God. And that we might be the most helpful and empowered person in every room that we uh, enter into today. And that every life and every need would be precious to us. And that uh, we make much of Jesus and all of our opportunities today. So God be with us because we need your help. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.